Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, and fishing needs, go to eastport.info. Now let's get this show started. What's up, guys? You're listening to the final cast again. I'm Brad. I'm Josh. What's up, dude? Not much. You uh, hiatus for you last week. Did you have a good week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I had to do some court stuff, but nothing mm. like major or anything. I'm not in trouble or anything. So, um, <laughs> but uh, dude, so you've been at it at the shows, seen you get some good pictures. Yeah, it was fun. Some, I mean, what went you, to the yoga poses well. on kayaks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know those pictures were taken actually until after the fact. Somebody sent them oh, to yeah. me. So, yeah. Made That's me laugh. But yeah. Missed you last week, though. Yeah, dude. But I mean, you had Matt on. Matt, Matt's a good host, right? Yeah, he did a good job. I mean, I was like, I need to find somebody to fill in for Josh. Is you want to do it? He might. He was like, sure. I've never done it before. So I'm like, yeah, it's easy. <laughs> yeah. But That's cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, cool episode planned uh we're gonna be talking to jim van ryan from exxon lures and rod glove thank you welcome to the show welcome jim. to the show jim yeah hey guys thanks for uh thanks for having me no problem man this one's actually been a little uh it's been in the making for quite some time um i remember talking to dan perry and we were discussing some you know, options for guests on the show and your name came up and I think I tried to reach out to you and I might've either a had the wrong information or B I probably picked the wrong 
you know, method of communication, but he uh, mentioned to try to get you on and talk to you. I know he's a big fan of your lures. And so welcome to the show, man. We're really excited to sit down and talk to you. Yeah, no, thanks for the opportunity and uh, pleasure to be here. Always great to talk about fishing. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. That's why we do it. I mean, <laughs> it's a break from every, everyday life and just get to sit back and talk with my friend Josh about fishing. So it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jim, we uh, we were very interested in reaching out. Like I said, uh, we had talked with Dan about it. And, you know, um, we've talked to other companies, you know, regarding like, you know, uh, lures and sort of thing. So we were excited to also be able to talk about the rod glove. But if you don't mind, do you care to introduce yourself? Let us know how you got into fishing and, you know, any kind of background history. And if you want, we can go into how you got started with X-Zone. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Um, yeah, basically how I got started into fishing, like so many people across, across the nation, um, I was introduced to it by my dad and my grandfather. And, um, you know, you kind of get that taste when you're just, when you're a little kid, for some reason, those, those memories loom large in your mind. And, uh, um, and then, you know, sometimes we, we leave it for a bit as we're going through school or whatever, we're picking up on normal sports, other sports, I should say. And, um, uh, and then we return to it later. So it was really probably in my late teens so I fished all as a kid and into my teens, but it was really in my late teens that I really mm -hmm. uh, got excited about bass tournament fishing. And um, so that, um, you know, that happened. And then, um, so I fished quite a bit then. Then, uh, then the family came along and sometimes that can interrupt things for a little bit. Mm -hmm. One thing I'm finding out about life is I'm 53 now and it, it seems like we just go through these times in our life where there's seasons of opportunity to do stuff. And then there's times when it's not quite as easy, but, um, mm -hmm. anyways, to kind of summarize all of that, uh, fishing has been a lifelong, lifelong passion of mine. Um, so I, um, I, I also, uh, I also run another company, uh, a, a larger company in the, uh, irrigation and automation business for the horticulture industry and so if you can imagine what the rod gloves made out of as we all know it's made out of that expandable mesh sleeving mm -hmm. and so we we had a job where we were running that on a on you know, we were running a water line through it and a communication cable and it was all bound up by rod glove material and uh, the installation went bad the guys took the stuff back to the shop and they started cutting all the sleeving off and uh, you know I said hey save me some six foot pieces of that. <laughs> and so they, they cut it off. They set them aside. I took a tie wrap, bundled up the end, uh, cinched it and, um, threw them on my rods. And, um, so some guys in my local, uh, my local club started seeing, Hey, can you make some of those for me? And, um, and not that we were the only ones on the market at the time, but what we did, what we were the first ones to do was to make, what we call our taper tip. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it just nicely tapers down, adds a little bit extra protection for the, for the tip. And it also goes in and out of your rod lockers really nice. So anyways, we started kind of developing that. And then uh, we, um, you know, guys outside of my local club, but in our bigger federation 
started seeing it and they're they're uh, they're going on like they wanted to have some as well uh so then you know i'm like eh, there might be a bit of a business here so um you know fast forward now 12 years since that mm-hmm. happened so that's kind of the, the the beginnings and you know 12 years later we're in about 30 different countries and 1500 retail locations throughout the world and um it's just a lot of fun we sell a ton of these things i can't believe that there's that many fishing rods in the world but obviously <laughs> there is and um, and in the in the circle of people who use them is is just constantly expanding right if you could imagine mm-hmm. first it was just the diehard tournament guys oh, i gotta protect my rods and keep them from tangling and that circle is just growing bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. all the time yeah um and and there's been more and more competitors that have come into the business alongside of us and uh, yeah there's there's so many so many good competitors and i'm never a guy who who hates anybody who's who's mm-hmm. a competitor of mine right there's lots of room for all of us and uh we all bring a little something different to the market so um yeah let's enjoy it and and, and work hard um a part of our early success in the rod club really had to do with uh gerald swindle coming on board early yeah you know we we were we were just like six months into this thing doing some advertising in bass boat central and um <clears throat> a guy that gerald worked with at the time says hey you think you could like send us 12 of these things or something for gerald to use and I said, sure, and gladly sent him down there. And Gerald's like, you know what? I want to help you drive this brand. Um, he said, I don't. I realize that you know you don't have any money right now because you're just starting. But I just want to help. Hmm. And I tell that story because a lot of times we think that pros are own are are driven by the dollar, right? And, and to a certain mm-hmm. extent they got bills to pay. So there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I just want to give this as a bit of an outlier situation where a successful guy like Gerald was willing to help a small business like me put this product on the map. Um, and that just goes, that just goes to the heart of who he is. Right. And right. Um, uh, so he was real helpful and he really helped us just to scale out this business quick in those early days. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And he seems like a really good-hearted person. Yeah, you know, I've been following him for a little bit, and you know, I could see that aspect of him. You know, just just his interviews and the things he talks about, and it's really awesome, man. You know, that's the beauty of the fishing community. That's one of the better points that I've always been a big fan of is the way that anglers can come together or help out a small comp, you know, company, or you know, like. We have that happen, you know, in the kayak fishing community, and it's it's really refreshing to see that there's, you know, for the way that the world is right now, that there is good-hearted people out there. So I, I appreciate you sharing that, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think uh, the first time I ever saw a rod glove was probably six, seven years ago, maybe, in my local retailer. And uh, it was the first rod sleeve I ever bought. You know, I bought a bundle to protect my rods uh i'll preface it by saying I'm, I'm a kayak angler so i like to stuff my rods inside my kayak when transporting to and from when i got those rod sleeves i was like wow this is 
this is awesome because I'm no longer pulling those rods out of the kayak and it being all tangled up, a mess, you know, the, all the tips, the line just being wrapped around each other. So, yeah, yeah no, that's great. Great to hear. Did you see um, a bit of like increase? Was it noticeable for you guys as a business with the kayak anglers? Like as it, as it started to grow, did you see that? Cause I know, that's one of the biggest things like what Brad's talking about, because, you know, with bass boats and stuff, um, as they've gotten bigger and better, you know, the rod storage capabilities have gotten better, you know, and mm-hmm. to the point where, you know, every rod is like, in a sense, can be separated. I know not all bass boats are like that, but, you know, the one thing with kayak anglers was the limit on space. And then, you know, these guys are transporting them, like whether they're in rod tubes or whatever, you know, on their trucks that, you know, the rods were taking a beating, you know, they were getting tangled. Everything was a mess all the time. You know, that, that was where I first really noticed the use of rod sleeves, you know, Mm -hmm. and did you guys notice like anything in particular like that, like where the kayak fishing community kind of cause like an increase at all yeah it's real tough for uh, it's real tough for us to uh, gauge those metrics yeah uh, only because so little we see of course our our sales go up you know annually um mm-hmm. but because so much goes through retail and, and and some through our website it's just tough for us to tell where they're going yeah um, what i can tell you is that um I get emails or requests through the website from more and more kayak anglers all the time. Right. So, whereas, you know, 10 years ago when we started, nobody was really talking about kayaks. It was still all about boats. And um, so those conversations just weren't had, Mm -hmm. but you know, now when I get, uh, when I have conversations, it's, it's probably, probably 50, 50 between, conventional style bass angling and kayak fishing in general yeah, that's um, cool i mean it i'm just blown away by where this kayak world has gone and 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 i don't you know i i don't claim to 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 really understand it all in terms of how all the tournaments work mm-hmm. uh we are the we're uh we're the title sponsor for uh mass maulers out of um who fish in the kfl that kind yeah of, um and, and and so i'm learning every day and and i just find it fascinating yeah that, that, that's cool though like uh jumping jumping into the kayak world like that sponsoring a kfl team that's what needs to happen for the whole kayak side to grow so that's that's cool i like that yeah yeah they're um uh, yeah so it's interesting but it's a it's a learning thing for me um but I just think it's so cool with what they're doing with those kayaks, right? Putting the uh, putting the Altrexes on them and, and gearing them up with all the uh, yeah. all the electronics. I mean, good grief! It's <laughs> it's great. They're just plastic, uh, tiny plastic <laughs> bass boats at that point. So well, pretty much. Oh, well, that's it, right? The one thing that is that is common for really, it seems like anybody who fishes the gear the yeah. boat or the kayak or the rods mm-hmm. and reels of electronics that's like half of it right yeah. that's half the fun yeah yeah it's 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 super fun i'd follow some like pro anglers youtubes and um 
it's just funny because you see the excitement even like at the pro level when they get like the new boat or <laughs> you know the new yeah. truck or the new rods and you just laugh because you're like man it's all the same across the board no matter what like you could be on the bank and you still have that excitement you know and you could be a pro you know and a half million dollar setup and still awesome like you know you're just like completely bewildered and it's it's cool to see that aspect of it yeah it's no, cool because sure. like anglers mean like we you know you, we can have our spats and our conflicts and you know and that kind of thing but really when it comes down to it at heart we're all exactly still the same you know yeah. so yeah no that's it Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. That's cool. Um, yeah, I wanted to start touching on a little bit of these other products you have because we we talked about the rod gloves a little bit. You also have uh, real gloves and you have uh, neoprene uh, sleeves, right? Yeah. So we have uh, what's called our Pro Series rod gloves. Um, so we have our original ones, um, our original Pro Series, and now we've just introduced our, uh, our Pro Series 2. Um, which is a, a little bit, um, it's, it, the thing you get with neoprene is it gets real heavy. Yeah. Um, and so our original ones were three millimeter, um, thick neoprene. The new ones are going to be two millimeter. So you're still getting that neoprene protection, but a little bit easier to handle on and off your rods. We have a retaining strap and a loop on the top. And, uh, so we're pretty excited about that new product as well. Um, and then, yeah, we have, uh, we have real gloves, um, uh, for both bait casting and spinning rods, um, they will be. Um, uh, we have a new one for bait casting coming out. The one that we have is a pretty specific fit. Uh, it's really for series 200 and below, 200, 150 series. Okay. Um, and they were originally designed to fit in such a way that it wouldn't kink your fluorocarbon. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, so there's a there's a bit of design. The next the next bait casting one is going to be a little bit more generic um, and a little bit easier to put on. Um, so yeah, you just you're kind of looking always to keep it a bit fresh, right? Um, mm-hmm. Offer stuff that uh, that can can bring value to the market and just keep your product line product line fresh. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I saw those neoprene sleeves. I think it was the first ones I've ever seen too, and I'm like. Those look interesting. I need to try some of those. Uh, is that what you would recommend for somebody just getting into it? or Probably not. At the end of the day, the neoprene stuff, so you have a much higher price point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really kind of has, it, it fits a niche group of anglers. Okay. Um, so a lot of times you'll have guys who are buying a lot of, um, they're buying JDM equipment. Right, mm-hmm. so real expensive stuff, and they just want that extra protection. They don't really care what it costs, um, but um, you know, really, the regular expanded mesh rod gloves are um, 
they're the best value. They're the easiest to work with. They come in the most colors and um, uh, they're just a, just a great product. They do exactly what you want it to do. So, and th those are honestly, those are the ones that I use. Um, yeah. I don't use the neoprene ones. Um, okay. um, I see a need for them in the market. We have a lot of people who just love them uh, and I can see why, uh, but I like things. I think I like things quick. Yeah. And, uh, so that's just, me. that's me. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't know. I kind of want some of them. <laughs> they look nice. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of that neoprene look too, though. Yeah. Yeah. I should, uh, I should get you down some of our, uh, some of our newer ones. Um, mm -hmm. they're not even on the website yet. Like we're just working through the, um, uh, working through the, the final ends of getting them in stock, getting them on the website and all of that. So, um, uh, love to send you some of those. They come with six, six different trim colors. Um, and, uh, so they're, they're kind of neat that way. Very cool. Heck yeah. That's cool, man. I, I like the concept you know, of all of it. Like, it's cool that I think it's always important to keep coming out with those new ideas. You know, you don't want to get stuck mm -hmm. in the old thing and, you know, you gotta, you gotta come up with new ideas and it stays fresh. And, you know, um, I'd like to, you know, I, I, I wasn't even familiar with the, the neoprene style. That's pretty cool. Um, was there a reason specifically for going with neoprene? Or did you just find that it offered like really, really good, you know, protection and that's kind of what you fell on? Yeah, we, as with so many products in the market, there are a lot of times they can be consumer driven, mm -hmm. right? So you're, you're really answering yeah. the call from the customer base, designing and developing something that they like. Um, you know, a lot of the ideas that come from the customer base just don't make sense practically from a business perspective because the market is just not large enough. But when you find that one idea that has a large enough market and you can um, and it fits into your business business plan, you can go ahead and develop that. And and that's kind of where a lot of that that stuff starts with us. Very cool. Yeah. That so is cool. we want to talk about egg zone because I know I know a lot of people that really, yeah. really, really love your guys' lures. And I know Dan's one of them. I think Josh Smith was really into well, him, was it? Yeah, Dan, Dan's actually on your guys' pro staff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, great yeah, guy. He's always talking about them. I'm like, I got to check these out then. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, that's great. So um, I'll give you a little history first to start that out. Probably in around the same time that I started a rod glove, there was a, a an angler up here in Canada that, that started Exxon Lures. Um, and he... Um, he developed a bait called the slammer and um, it was a hand pour bait. So an open cavity, uh, just heating up the plastic and just, just laying it in there. Mm -hmm. And um, that bait just, it was one of the early drop shot baits and it really just, I mean, every pro that came to the St. Lawrence back in, you know, in, in that time to fish smallmouth was calling for the slammer. Um, and, uh, so, so around 2015, um, Mark Kulik, who started a great angler, great bait designer, he was just ready to, to move on to other things, right? Just wanted to fish more and, and so forth. I said, Hey, Mark, well, why don't you let me just take that business? 
So that's on one side of the story. The other side of the story is that I had a son who was graduating um, high school. And I can still remember when Nick was about, I don't know, he was probably like 10 years old. He had to do a project for school. And his project was, it was about what do you want to do one day when you grow up? And flat out, the answer was easy for him. I want to own a bait company. So when he, you know, fast forward seven years, now he's graduating from school. I said, hey, Nick, why don't we just buy Exxon Lures and start developing that brand? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how it all started. My son's been in it with me since the beginning. Um, he has the patience and the creativity to do all the things that I I'm not good at um, <laughs> like all, all his we're known for our bright and vibrant colors and some of our bait shapes. And um, that's all my son, Nick, he, he does that whole end of things. Um, so that was in 2015. We quickly took the business from just a hand pour. It's very tough to scale a hand pour business because mm-hmm. it's very fussy and expensive production work. Um, so you can't find the people for it. You can't get the consistency out of the product that you need and you just can't make enough. Um, so then we started designing what we call our pro series, uh, which is, is all machine injected. Um, and, um, and we just started to develop that along. Um, and then the business was growing moderately, Mm -hmm. um, and then about two and a half years ago, I had a, uh, had a conversation with um, uh, Elite Series Angler, Brandon Polinick. And Brandon, uh, he's been working with us ever since. And a guy with his level, um, you know, Brandon's one of those guys who's just miles ahead of so many of the pros in his, mm-hmm. um, in his media, media content, right? He's, I think he's the only guy who travels full time with a full time cameraman um, and an extra boat. Like he's all in on that end of things. Um, and that really is what has driven a lot of our designs and a lot of our, um, um, a lot of our success over the last, let's say three years. Um, really that's when it started to, to really take an up, up curve. Um, so since then, about a year ago, my other son joined the business as well. Um, so he's a little bit more like me, more on the business end and production and, and marketing and, and all of that. So I don't know that a, that a father could ask for a better scenario, right? You got you have two sons that you get to be in business with. They have complementary skill sets and just just the thrill of a lifetime for me. That's awesome, man. That's really cool um, to see, you know, see you take it from just being the hand pour thing and getting your kids involved with it. That's that's really neat. And, you know, and how do you how lucky can you get to that? They're like kind of <laughs> on opposite sides of it to where you don't have to necessarily worry about any clashing. You know, I'm sure you might get a little bit. It is family. But, you know, it's it's really cool that you guys were able to find that success with it you know um what do you attribute to like brandon being like ahead of the curve you think it's because of his age he's younger he's kind of grown up in that digital age you know to to help like grow like social media wise yeah i i really do 
Part of it is his age and part of it is who he is as, as a personality and, and is the character of who he is. Yeah. Um, and he just gets it, right? He, um, Brandon is a guy who is uh, not, in scared, not scared to invest in his own brand, to invest in the equipment that he needs. He, you know, Brandon so much looks just beyond the paycheck and thinks really long-term about everything that he does and uh, is extremely intentional about everything that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, really, you know, you guys, when I signed him two and a half years ago, uh, Exxon was not was not in a position as far as the business size goes. We really didn't have any business. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a business perspective, sponsoring a guy at Brandon Pollock's level. But you're always investing for tomorrow, right? You're always you're you're always starting with where you want to be rather than um you know uh not having that big picture mindset and so brandon and i think very much the same way on that level and uh, that's really what connected us right was our business theories really aligned quite well and um yeah now we just we have a great relationship that's awesome right. because you see a lot of people sometimes it's just always in the present. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't they don't want to take a look at necessarily. It's like, what do you have to offer me like now at this moment and not necessarily because, I mean, obviously, if he, you know, if an angler is familiar with who you are as a company and what Rod Glove has done, they would be able to see like, OK, this is X zone. We can see that same aspect happening in the future, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, it's a, that's a really cool story. What were you going to say, Brad? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I was going to say the same thing. A cool story. I mean, similar to rod glove, you, you had a pro come out and reach out to you. You also had a pro come and reach out to you for X zone. And it's kind of like elevated you guys. And within the last year and a half, maybe I'm I've, I've heard of, I keep hearing about you guys all the time, all the time. And I'm like, where are these guys coming from? So I'm glad you hit that story. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, know. Thanks for that. And, uh, you know, really at the end of the day, we're, uh, we're, a, we're a family-based business and we just work hard, right? Like, yeah. I'll tell you, you know about my two sons that are in it. I, you know, I have a daughter who's in college down in Texas and she helps out with the Instagram. And I have a sister, my sister who does the bookkeeping and my wife who runs some of the daily operations stuff. And um, so there's lots of family involved here. I can tell you without a doubt in 12 years, we have never, ever had an argument. That's um, awesome. And uh, that really comes down to just respecting each other and each other's yeah. roles, right? Without that respect, um, you, we all, we've all heard the, the horror stories about family businesses and, um, uh, you know, I'm not trying to make out that we're perfect, but we've been blessed enough that we've, we've been able to, to complement each other and keep the peace. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Um, go ahead, Josh. No, no, you're fine, dude. Well, I was just going to get into some of these, uh, um, lures, uh, the designs and everything. They're pretty, pretty unique. Um, is so when you're doing your molds, do you, do you guys actually make the mold yourself or somebody make them for you? Or how does that work? Uh, yeah. So we produce all of our baits in-house and 
all of our molds get made. Um, uh, they get made out of um, a business down in Alabama that are just, they make the machines, they make the molds. They're mm -hmm. top notch. So is, uh, is that something you guys like uh, have a role in like designing? If something comes back, you don't like it. Do you get a tinker with it? Yeah. Yeah. That's um, that's definitely what happens. So kind of the way the process goes is you have a, at the end of the day, you have a big production mold. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's going to have anywhere from 25 to a hundred cavities in it, depending on the bait shape, how wide it is. Um, but where it all begins is it begins obviously with an idea. And then mm -hmm. I start to draw it out on AutoCAD. Um, okay. And, you know, Brandon and, and myself and, and Carl, Carl Jacobson, Jacobson uh, and my boys will start to get involved and we'll start bouncing around ideas. Um, so finally we get it to a point where we say, okay, this is a, this is a bait that we can send in. Then it goes to the mold company and they will do a, they'll do a 3d drawing of it for us. Mm -hmm. And the 3d drawing goes to make what is just a single cavity prototype mold. And so that's a, that's a mold that we can shoot some baits into and we can, we can start to play around with it. So um you have some baits that you get it right on the very first time mm -hmm. you have some baits that you have to go back for two or three mold revisions so you get it just right um and uh you know uh depending on um depending on what the bait is used for so a bait like that for instance um classic beaver style bait shape not a whole lot you can do with it and not a whole lot of ways you can screw it up right it's just a it's a good product um and, and but when you get into you know a bait that we're going to be releasing here on march 4th called the hot shot you know that bait took us well over a year mm. to do and three or four revisions just to get it just the way we wanted it because uh, it's a drop shot bait and it has to be so we're talking finicky smallmouth right it's a, it's a different uh, a different thing. So that can be quite a long process. Yeah. What do you find is the kind of number one thing that you guys are coming up with and having to change when it comes to your bait designs? Like, I guess, like, is there like a certain aspect of something that you guys are adding to make it like, you know, your own bait. And then you're like, Oh man, every time we try to do this, this gets to be a pain, you know? Cause like when you look at the beaver style bait, you know, you'll see the little appendages coming off. Is yeah. that something that's difficult or is it a tail design, you know, that you find gets to be a pain in the butt or something like that? Um, yeah, nothing specifically. Every bait is kind of its own, um, it, it, its own unique thing. Um, you know, when you look at that, that little beaver bait we had up there, it's got some three little side appendages and, and that's kind of a marker of what we call our adrenaline series. Mm -hmm. So everything that's in our adrenaline series has that kind of signature uh, paddles on the side. Um, the one thing that's very important on our baits and has kind of set us apart in the marketplace. Well, there's two things there's we're really known for our vibrant colors mm -hmm. um, and we we achieve vibrant colors because we don't put any cheap fillers in our baits. Um, so it costs us a little bit more money because we're working with all pure virgin material, mm -hmm. but your baits don't get cloudy. 
and it keeps the colors bright. Um, and the other thing that we're noted for is our, our floating claws and our floating worms. So basically you can take that adrenaline craw that you're looking at right there. And if you rig that on a jig, it will, when that jig falls to the bottom, those claws will just, they'll just sit right up like this. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of, a lot of baits don't have that. Um, they don't have that capability. Um, so everyone, even this beaver bait, those appendages all float that like the claws on the front. Um, and uh, it, it costs a little more to make a bait that way, but mm -hmm. um, it's it's just such a great fish catching thing, right? It, it's the difference between having a chunk of plastic just dead falling to the to the base of the lake to one yeah. that is that's kind of up and alive. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So that's we're 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 proud of that part of our baits. Yeah, and I know exactly what you're saying. I've used. Uh, other various products where that both stand up like that, but they'll just lay down on the ground, you know, I'm mean, just playing yeah. around with it. Uh, and then there's other baits out there that stand up like they're supposed to, but is, is that do like, are, do you guys put salt in your baits? Is that what causes that reaction? Yeah. So we have, uh, we, we do have salt in some of our baits and in some of them, there's other portions of or levels of salt. So, for instance, when you have a when you have a stick bait, um, which we call our true center stick, which is just a Senko style bait, that you need a lot of salt in because it's all about the fall rate, right? Then you take something like our swim bait or our whiplash shad, and you kind of have medium salt in there, um, and then when you get into our into our our, our creatures and our worms. That's where we start to get real specific on our, where we start to get real specific on our salt and, and the type of salt that we use. Um, if you buy, if you buy big clunky salt, mm -hmm. uh, which would be kind of like your table salt, you can actually see what a cube of it looks like. You mm -hmm. start to have some, some problems with distribution throughout that bait um, because every piece represents a bigger and bigger portion of the whole. Right. But when you get into really fine salts, you're going to get a naturally more even dispersion throughout that bait, mm. which is going to give you two things. It's going to it's going to help your colors. It's going to add in production consistency, um, so the baits look and feel the same to the customer, and it's going to help that bait perform better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think I've heard that before too, because when you're using the coarse. The coarse salt and it's bigger it gets exposed to the water easily too and then it starts to dissolve all out of the bait a little bit and then it'll cause the actual baits to i don't want to say malfunction but they won't perform up to the standards and then if you have something that's more just you know dispersed like you said evenly mm -hmm. that the action of your bait is also going that's going to keep it lasting longer as well yeah so, Very interesting. That's interesting. Um, yeah. So I always laugh. Hold on, I've always laughed too. You ever seen where like where people are like making their own baits at home and then they're like coat it in salt and I'm like I don't want. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've I, I've had a buddy that did that. He just dips them in a bag of salt. Yeah, I'm like, I don't think that that's was the point of this salt. Yeah. It's like flavoring the bait with. 
people's yeah it has to be mixed in with the plastic <laughs> yeah yeah i mean maybe um, you know maybe if you're in the ocean like you know it's like uh, yeah <laughs> i don't yeah. know that's fun well, it, it's kind of interesting eh? the uh um it's been it's been thought of for so long that that salt uh, that that salt is is great additive because it makes fish hold on, mm-hmm. and, and there is an element where that's true, but one of the real reasons that there's a lot of salt in baits is because salt is cheap, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> salt is a lot cheaper than plastisol. Yeah. Um, so when you can knock your cost of production on your baits down by a given percentage, um, it's it's a filler, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm not saying it doesn't have a place. I'm just saying there's there's a there's value in fine tuning how you do your salt and in which type of baits you do it in to get the uh, exact um, you know the the exact result that you want. And that's kind of one of those things that we try and pay attention to. Yeah. It's like a big old science project. <laughs> it is. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, I want to talk about these, uh, these uh, pro series swimmers that they're, they're pretty uh, unique looking. I don't think I've ever seen. Is it flat sided? I can't tell from the picture. Uh, no, it's it, it, well, yeah, I guess it, in a sense it is fairly flat sided flat top flat-sided um the um the secret to those swammers and we call them kind of dual action swim baits mm-hmm. um they uh, first of all all three sizes have they all have three different kinds of tails um the paddle is a little different on all of them to fit the bait uh for the size that it is um and the one thing about our swammers is that they are, they're crazy, crazy action um, in terms of how much that bait rolls and that tail kicks and it wobbles. Um, and I can't, I can't say that that's what the fish wants every time, mm-hmm. right? It, it is a swim bait in the swim bait category with its own unique action that appeals to fish at, at certain times. Um, and, um, uh, and there's other swim baits in the swim bait market that have a little bit tighter, a a little bit tighter wobble, a little bit tighter, uh, uh, tail action. And sometimes those work, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. fish just aren't interested in that crazy, aggressive, uh, crazy, aggressive action. But that's, that's kind of the side of the spectrum that ours fall into. Yeah. What did you guys, what were you, what was part of the design process to get it to, to roll and as well as to get the, um, the paddle tail kick? Because sometimes you tend to see that it's like one or the other, you know, it's like a really good rolling bait with light action on the paddle tail, or it's crazy action on a paddle tail and not hardly any roll. What was it that you guys were able to design within that bait to cause both actions to work together? You know, this is a bait that's a carryover from the original owner of the company. Mm -hmm. Uh, So as much as I love the action, I can't take an ounce of credit for it. Uh, We we took something that he had really handcrafted um, and um, and, and, and produced, and and we just simply modernized the production process on it. 
That's cool. Yeah. Um, that, that's the one bait that always caught my interest when I see your guys' website, uh, the flat-sided top. I thought that was the coolest thing because I've never really yeah. seen one like that. Yeah, and it, 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 it's kind of the, the, the flat top really just becomes because it used to be a hand pour bait. Yeah. And so it was it was just poured in an open cavity, which automatically gives you a, a flat top. So that's uh, it was more a function of manufacturing than it was a <laughs> unique design. Hey, that it worked. It doubles as both. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, you guys got a whiplash shad, a soft plastic jerk bait. Is that like a, your take on the fluke? Yep, it is. And it's, uh, I can tell you right now, without a doubt, that is our most underrated bait that we have. Uh, guys who buy it know it, but um, that that straight tail that goes a little bit longer than everybody else's, mm -hmm. it just creates crazy action. A lot and, of swing uh, in it. Oh, it, it's great. Um but it's one of those kind of classic style baits where you're you're dealing with a lot of those old southern name bait companies like Zoom, mm -hmm. uh, and it's just so tough to get a piece of that market. Yeah, um, because the guys who have tried it, they know it, they love it. Um, but uh, there's just certain bait shapes in this uh, in this industry that are uh, you have to have them in your lineup, but mm -hmm. they're never going to hit a home run because of those old established bait brands who already have it right yeah so you yeah think of, the, think of the beaver style bait from reaction innovations you think of the the, the senko from yamamoto you think of the fluke from zoom right these are all baits that i mean we're not talking one generation of people who have fished them we're talking two generations of people yeah who have fished them so uh, we do our best to make ours a little bit uh unique um but that that is a bait that is that's that's quite underrated and love for more people to try it. You know, I mean, I think the important thing is that, you know, when you have a company is how do you set yourself apart? And then yeah. also like, you know, I've bought baits from some of the, I'm not even going to be, I'm not going to point out specific names, but you know, there's something that I like about the bait. I like the action about it, but then I have this issue with it. You know, and then I end up having to buy, you know, either more of it or have to go with someone else. And when I say buy more of it, I don't mean like, oh, I, you know, ran through them. I mean, like something's happened. Like one thing that I used to do, especially when I was a kayak angler, is I would store my baits together. Um, so mm -hmm. if I bought a bunch of different flukes and colors, I would throw them in one bag because I got tired of trying to figure out space wise yeah. how to carry you know, six bags of <clears throat> individual plastics, right? And that, that was something I started getting really frustrated with was <clears throat> my colors bleeding out of my plastic. And then I would yeah. get this, you know, Frankenstein colored bait and, and <laughs> not to downplay the <laughs> shit works sometimes too. Like I'd be like, yeah. oh dude, that actually looks pretty good, you know, yeah. but nine times out of 10, it looked like a funky green pumpkin. And um, that got to be frustrating because I'm like, you know, I like this, I like the ability to have the different colors, but I don't, I just don't have the space to sit there. And so I would just cram them into a, a baggie and it sucks to do that, but I'm like, it's kind of has to happen. 
Yeah. I have a big swim bait problem. Like I love swim baits. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. And I will buy packages and packages and packages of them and just dump them in a Ziploc bag and take it with me because I'm like, you know, I was a big, um, and I still am big high tech fan. Right. And I'm like the, the plastic that those things come in is bulky, bulky as hell. It's like, you know, it just takes up so much space. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh, this is a pain in the butt. So I started, you know, throwing those in. Now, luckily, those don't bleed, but there's some other brands that I have bought, you know, especially especially with flukes mm-hmm. that just bleed awful. Like, and like, and it's not just the fluke, like it's all their baits, you know. And I'm like, that's frustrating, you know, because you're like you've spent, you know, you know how much we all know how much fishing can be, you know, yeah. and godly yeah. amounts of money on having, you know five different colors of a specific, you know, plastic, but, you know, just to have it do that, you know, and um, I don't know. It's just, uh, I think when you find companies that kind of take that extra little effort, like X zone does to keep things like that from happening to, you know, don't cut the corners. I'm willing, I'm always willing to pay a couple extra dollars for a pack, you know, as long as I know it's going to perform, it's going to mm-hmm. last. I don't have to worry about it bleeding its colors out, you know. I mean, it's the same thing we've talked about with Z-Man. Love their products. Can't stand the fact that, though, it wants to react with every yeah. plastic around it, you know. <laughs> um, it's, uh, But, I mean, it comes with the territory with it, you know. Yeah. So, Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. And, and you know, baits are really um, – their baits are like anything else. Basically, you have, you have various different – categories of you know you've kind of you've got your um your economy based baits you got your mid-level baits and you got your high level baits yeah mm-hmm. um, it's always been our goal to to participate in the mid-level price market with an exceptional quality product um and um you know sometimes sometimes we get it dead on and, and the bait just clicks and and other times um it you know it, it we don't gain as much of the market as we would like to, but that's kind of our goal. That's who we've identified ourselves, who we are. And, um, and there's a lot of great brands right in that kind of middle price, uh, category part of the market. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, moving on to, uh, t- tongues in the wall, unless you have any other questions, Josh, on the plastics or anything, but, I'm good. uh, you guys offer tungsten as well, which I didn't know that until, just now um it, is that some, how how does that how do you guys get your tungsten and is it like 97 percent like everybody else's yeah so it's it's 90 97 pure tungsten um and um yeah how do we fit in that market mm-hmm. um it's been a market that i've i've been interested in for a long time um i'm not interested i'm interested to sell tungsten but I'm not interested to be known as a tungsten company, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a nice add-on for us, um, and and we're we're enjoying just exploring that market. Um, yeah. Again, it's, it's about getting a quality product out to the customer at a quality price, and when you already have the when you already have access to the market through distribution and retailer base and all of that, it was a pretty mm-hmm. natural add-on for us. Yeah. And um, I mean, I think every day there's a new tungsten company on the market. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, 
I never wanted to be part of what defines us, right? We're a bait company. Yeah. We have to stay focused on that mission. Um, but it doesn't mean we're not going to add some accessory stuff like this to, um, you know, just to, to capitalize on a little bit of the market that we've created. Yeah, yeah it's so kind of like having the candy bars in the aisle. When you're in yeah. The store. yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're here. Why don't you pick up some tungsten, you know? like. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. Exactly. Interesting. If you if you go back one one page for a second, you can uh, I'll show you a. a a product that's been kind of crazy and that's those arrowhead weights in the in the low oh yeah in, in that side there yeah they've been they've been crazy you know i uh i i said to my son all oh, my sons i said oh i ordered some of those and they're like oh dad you don't know what you're talking about they're never going to sell i mean we just <laughs> sold through those things in no time right because they just they fit so perfectly on a uh on a creature style bait a beaver style mm -hmm. bait and mm -hmm. uh you can it skip doesn't look, very it doesn't, well, right? Yeah, I heard they skip good. I heard they they punch well too. Yeah. And then it's like you said, it doesn't it doesn't it's not going to take away from that tail from that look with just a big yeah. clunky bullet style weight or whatever on the end of it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's been fun. Yeah, and uh, your tungsten weights are like pretty good price too. I mean, a lot. It's at least two bucks cheaper than some of the stuff I've seen in stores here. Oh, well, there you go. I didn't even know. I uh, Well, I mean, I did a little bit of market research. I knew I wanted to be kind of in the ballpark. But at the end of the mm -hmm. day, you, you know, you kind of drive your margins to keep your business healthy. And um, really, everybody, everybody who's buying tungsten, A, it all comes out of China um, mm -hmm. because you can't afford to make it here. Yeah. yeah. Right? Tungsten is the hardest metal on earth. It, it doesn't... Um, it doesn't melt till well over 6,000 degrees. Um, so really what China is exporting is they're exporting energy, right? Because <laughs> that's where yeah. they, the, 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 the raw material is, is small compared to the cost that it takes to, to process such a hard metal. Yeah. And it's just something we can't do here, right? Our costs yeah. are too high. Yeah. Well, and, and we care a little bit about the environment here, which they don't care so yeah. much about in China. So just <laughs> ramp up the coal, uh, the cold things and away we go. But um, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, Josh, is there anything else you want to hit on? No, man, I think we covered it pretty much all. Was there anything, Jim, that you wanted to talk about? Anything additional? No, I, um, I, I think we covered a lot. I, uh, I really thank you guys for having me on the show and uh, being able to connect with your, uh, with your viewers and listeners and uh, yeah, keep up the great work. You guys are doing a nice job. You as well, man. I wish you guys continued success. Um, it'll be interesting and fun and exciting to see what else you guys are coming up with. So keep up the good work and, you know, congratulations on the family business. It's really, you know, it's really good to see that, you know, the success that you guys are having and I hope it continues for a very long time. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate it um yeah with that said uh good show i enjoyed it uh we will catch you guys next week and uh everybody have a good one thank you